Good morning and welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous AA meeting on air. My name is Steve and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, we'll start our meeting with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Uh, the preamble of Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any set, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy and neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Well, welcome to our meeting this morning. We have uh, members of the fellowship in who will be sharing their experience, strength and hope about their journey of recovery from alcoholism. And to start the sharing off this morning, CJ, would you like to share? Yeah. Hi, I'm CJ. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, CJ. Hi, CJ. Yeah, I guess talk about the experience, really. I, um, you know, I think a lot of us kind of reach a point where you start wondering how you're going to be able to manage your life when you're drinking as much as you are, you know, and things start to feel unmanageable. I think that's, isn't that step one where you just kind of say, oh, God, I can't do this. And uh, that's how I found my way into the meetings, you know, is where it just... It got to a point where I just couldn't even really look at my missus in the face anymore, you know? You just kind of feel terrible, and then you feel lonely. I felt quite lonely. I felt like I was the only one in the world who had this issue, and I couldn't talk to anybody about it, you know? It was just me. But, you know, I finally did. I got myself to an AA meeting, and, oh, I I broke down because it was... It was a breath of fresh air, really, to find out that I wasn't the only person. And um, there's a lot of people out there like me. And, uh, yeah, I I felt uh, accepted. You know, as as an alcoholic, sometimes the people around you who don't understand what you're going through will look at you in a bit of a funny way and, you know, probably think some thoughts about you you wouldn't like them to think about you but uh you know when you walk into a meeting i mean a lot most mostly everybody in there is kind of nodding their head or you know they just pat you on the back and say i'm glad you're here or, you know it's it's nice to be around people who understand and i think that gives you the strength and hope is i always know if i'm having a bad day and i feel like i want to turn to a drink i know there is somewhere close by that I could go to where there's people who help me manage my disease. I mean, it, it is a disease and it requires daily attention. And, you know, AA is the type of place where people find that medicine or you might even call it therapy. You know, just getting it out and listening to other people, listening to other people talk about just their experience, taking away something, seeing, yeah, seeing people manage it, you know? I mean, it's doable for anybody out there who feels like it's just too big of a mountain to climb. I mean, my biggest takeaway so far is to, you know, take it one day at a time. 
you know, the longest you have to stay sober is 24 hours. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's nice. It's nice to be in a place like this. I am, I'm very, I guess, not very new. It's only been about six months since uh, I got myself into a meeting the first time. You know, slightly embarrassed to say I haven't really made it to any of the milestones yet. But, you know, I keep coming back, you know. It's nice to be here on the radio show doing a bit of a different type of a meeting and uh, hopefully sharing something that'll help out those around me. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I'm quite happy to be here and I guess thank you everybody out there for listening and um, yeah, I'm CJ. Thanks, CJ. Thank you, CJ. Uh, you're with Alcoholics Anonymous on 104.6 Planet FM, and we have members of the fellowship on this morning sharing their experience, strength, and hope about the journey of recovery from alcoholism. And Sarah, would you like to share? Thanks. I'm Sarah, and I am an alcoholic. Hi, Sarah. Sarah. Uh, I'm 38 years old, and I feel like I have loved alcohol before I knew what alcohol was. Um, I loved it before I was born. Um, you know, as soon as I had my first drink, I realise now, in retrospect, that uh, I used it and, and abused it <clears throat> um, and drank pretty much from go to blackout. Um, but over the years, I just figured that that was quite normal, that that's how my friends drank and um, there was nothing for me to actually worry about. Um, over over time, I got myself a career, I had children, I've got three sons, and I learned how to manage my alcohol consumption in work situations. Uh, and, you know, I, I could at different times control my drinking. One of the things I've realised since coming into the rooms is that when I controlled my drinking... I didn't enjoy it. I just didn't enjoy it as much. And when I enjoyed my drinking, I just couldn't control it. It just got completely out of control. Um, you know, through through coming into the rooms, I've been able to learn that I actually have a disease, that I'm not a failure, that, yes, my life is unmanageable, and, it, yes, it is related to my disease, but that's not because I'm a failure. That's because, you know, I was fighting something that was cunning, baffling, and powerful, and I don't have to be ashamed. What I, what I do have an opportunity to do is to follow a simple program, a very simple program. It's not an easy program, but it is the easiest program that I can follow in order to manage my drinking and have a life that I see promised to me in the big book, which is the book that we read um, in the fellowship and by my fellows in the program. And I see that life and I see that hope and I want that. Um, I'm 68 days sober today uh, and, and I am so proud of that sobriety and it's becoming more and more precious to me every day. I don't know a time since I was 14 years old that I've had that sobriety um, and so I am doing the suggested things that when I come into the rooms they tell me to do. And, you know, I've been in psychotherapy for two years and I will continue to go to psychotherapy because it works for me. Um, 
what I wasn't getting in psychotherapy, which I needed to find myself and which I found through the fellowship, is the um, access to a power that is greater than myself. And that was what was missing in my life, my connection to the God of my understanding that would be there for me and support me so that I didn't have to run my life based on my own will. Um, You know, I'm an irritable, grumpy person as a default position. Uh, That is part of my my disease and my makeup. Um, And so every day when I get to wake up and pray and hand my life over to God of my understanding, I don't have to run the shop anymore. Um, And that is a great deal of relief for me. You know, coming in to do a radio show, it makes me nervous. But I'm able to get on my knees in the morning and pray for a day of sobriety and say, please, God, help me get through the day. Do it through your will, not mine. Um, And and then I can just put it in in God's hands and not have to worry about it. And that is incredibly um, powerful for me. Um, and then all I've got to do is the next best thing. And the next best thing was to get up, get in the car and come to the radio. Um, and and I don't, you know, it relieves me of a lot of anxiety. It relieves me of a lot of um, irritability. Um, you know, getting a coffee this morning and the queue's really long and I'm going to be late. And then I remind myself I don't need to worry because everything will turn out as it should. Um, and that's something I've got through the fellowship, um, and I'm really, really grateful for that. And, yeah, it's just a really beautiful thing. Um, I'll wrap up by kind of talking about my kids. I have I have got three children. Some are smaller, some are... Oh, I've got an 18-year-old as well. And just how this program has actually... is helping me to be the woman and the mother that I need to be for my family. And, you know, I try to fake... Parenting, and I did okay job sometimes through my drinking career, um, but I never. I, I always knew I was a fraud. I always knew that when I was hiding the bottles uh, under the bed, or trying to, you know, hide all the empties, or all the other things that I knew in my heart was dysfunctional, that I wasn't being the parent that that I needed to be, uh, and I'm able to be that parent today. Um, I'm able to be sober today. And um, I am so grateful for that. And I see it coming out of my kids. And every day I will thank God for that and pray for another 24 hours where I can do that for them. Thank you for letting me share. Great. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, The the two speakers so far have uh, mentioned about the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And in that book, it's outlined the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'll read something out of the chapter, How It Works, which outlines our program Uh, Chapter 5, How It Works. Uh, Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those too who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened and what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. 
At some of these we bought, we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, and powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. Half measures avail us nothing, and we stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. In 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Many of us exclaimed, what an order, I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The, progress, the principles we have set down are guides to progress, and we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic and the chapter to the agnostic and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. <coughs> and C, that God could and would if he was sought. Uh, that's a reading out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous outlining the uh, 12-step recovery program of AA. Uh, to continue on with our sharing this morning, Tia, would you like to share? Hi, my name is Tia and I am an alcoholic. Hi, Tia. Hi, Tia. Um, Thank you for your share, CJ and um, Sarah. Thank you for your share this morning. Um, I am three years old today. Today? Congratulations. Yes. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, it's, it's, It's... I'm grateful and it's an honor to, for an alcoholic like me, a drunk woman like me, to have to be able to spend my third, third birthday on a Saturday morning here, you know, sharing my experience, um, challenges and, and hope, you know, for those of you who might be listening in um, today. Um, <clears throat> it's been a, 
it's, it's been one hell of a journey. It's been an incredible journey. Um, I first had, I had my first drink when I was 23. I am 38 years old, um, like you, Sarah. Um, and, you know, the, the very first time that I had my first drink, I remember at university, I was finishing off. I had a really good group of friends. There were about 10 of us. And we were celebrating finishing off. And I was just one of two who never touched alcohol throughout uni just because it just didn't didn't attract me for some reason I still don't understand, but which is good at the time. Um, but I do remember I took about three glasses of rum and that night, and, and that was it. I don't remember the rest of the night. I got um, put in a cab with my girlfriends. They took me back to campus, put me in my room, and they went off to the clubs without me. So first night of drinking, and I wasn't even fun enough to take out. <laughs> That's depressing. <laughs> yeah, I resented them for not taking me out. Um, <laughs> so for me, I don't know, you know, for, for others, I can only speak for myself. I believe that I was born with the alcoholic gen. My father was an alcoholic. I'm grateful to say today that my father did not drink. From the year that I was born, 1980 to 2014, 34 years of amazing sobriety, um, not through AA, but a God that he found, um, which was, and my journey the past three years, I've realized they actually were the 12 steps. Um, so for me today, being the only alcoholic child of a pastor, a disappointment to my mother, um, you know, everything shameful, um, that one could think of, you know, I, I was called those names by my mom um, and relatives because, you know, I was I was the only child that was a drunk in the whole neighborhood and out of, you know, 30 grandchildren. And I carried, I carried that, that, that stigma, you know, which for me then, and it was such a stigma that was associated with being humiliated, uh, embarrassed, um, useless, not good enough. You know, a loser, not a good mother, um, such a disappointing child. I carried those emotions and those feelings for years and years and years. You know, and I just couldn't, I couldn't understand where those emotions were coming from. And when I would go out, I would, I remember perfectly that I would reach out for a drink to suppress those emotions or deal with those emotions that was the only reason I reached out for alcohol. And I didn't understand that why is it that the morning after or the weekend after, because I'm a binge drinker, why would it that I feel worse and I feel more remorse, more guilt? Everything was triple, you know, the emotions before I picked up that drink. And it was a cycle, you know, a vicious cycle that absolutely did not go anywhere. And it took me further and further and further down, you know, this deep hole of blackness that... I thank God today, three years ago in Wellington, I hit my rock bottom. I used to hear people share in the rooms, you know, I thank God for my rock bottom. And I'm sitting there thinking, what is that rock bottom? <laughs> What's a rock bottom? <laughs> oh, this program has taught me that you don't know what you don't know. And once, for me, once I've known what I've known in the program, I can't unknow it. And so for me, that is the 12 steps which has been my savior, 
the last night of my drink, I remember I went out. I just graduated from a diploma of project management, which I was proud of being the only Pacific Islander in the group, the this, the that, all the, you know, the differentiators that I was trying to, you know, that I put on myself. And as soon as we finished, I thought, you know what, tonight is a Friday night. You know, Friday night's my, it's my night of the week to drink. Um, I would not start with everybody else. I'd start at about 10 p.m. so I can, you know, not be so drunk. And just remember things up until about two. Um, well, guess what? The alcoholic that I am, you know, I have no stop button. Uh, when I take that first glass of alcohol, I physically have an allergic reaction. It takes over. So I don't have a say in how my body responds, where I go, what I do, what I say when I finish drinking. Um, so... I started at 10 p.m. later than everyone else. I started about 8, but guess what? I caught up and I beat everyone else too. And I was blacked out by about 12. <laughs> Ugh, hideous night. Um, I came back to my room. I had about three bottles of wine in my room. I still remember the room. I still remember the hotel in Wellington. And I drank those three bottles dry, down to the last drop. When I woke up, sort of the Saturday night out of you know being blacked out I searched for alcohol but the only reason why I didn't drink anymore because it was all dry and it was the emotions that I felt after that you know I could not I had wanted to stop drinking for so long but I could not stop it was a jumping off place and I told myself that night you know what Tia you're absolutely just a loser I wrote myself off. I didn't need the world to write myself, to, to write me off, you know, because I did that perfectly. I remember my father, as we were losing him to cancer 10 days before he died in 2014, on a conversation of the phone, and I was hungover when we had this conversation, he told me, he said, my daughter, when I'm gone and I'm no longer here, there is something that I want you to remember. And I know you no longer believe in God, but I want you to promise me that you remember this. If you ever hit a darkest place in your life, you know, whether it's with alcohol or anything else, I want you to get on your knees and pray and pray from your heart, even if you don't believe, and ask God to save you. And that night I did. I got on my knees and I cried my guts out and I said, God, please, 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 please save me from my alcoholism because I'm done being a drunk woman. I cannot live this way anymore, you know, with the humiliation, etc. So I decided that night that I was going to end my life. As I stood up from prayer, there was this thought that I know now as my God, that always been protecting me all this time, said to me, before you commit suicide, why don't you make a call? I googled this place um, online and there was a number that popped up and a name of a person I called. It was about, you know, after 12 at night. I was just about to hang up when the person picked up the phone. That was my lifeline. That man was from AA. And has been an incredible support in my journey in recovery. And that night was the last night of my drink. I am grateful, incredibly grateful to be here. You know, I really thought that Tia would never get this program. You know, I thought, I also thought when I first came in, you know, that I'm not the example of the alcoholic. How can I be? You know, um, excellent A-plus students and that, you know, scholarships, blah, blah, blah. Um, I didn't drink every day, obviously. I didn't end up in hospitals. I didn't never ended up in jails. Um, you know, all the differentiators with that made me not an alcoholic, but that was just my denial. You know, I am, my journey now in, in recovery, I am the perfect example of an alcoholic. And how do I know that through the 12 steps? It's my behavior, my way of thinking, obsessive thoughts, insanity. You know, my default is um, anger, anger at the world. 
world and everything without them even having to give me a reason. Resentments, resentments that I hold on to for donkey's years while everyone else has moved on. It's not normal. You know, and that's for me, that's the definition as to what makes me an alcoholic. Um, to be able today to say, my name is Tia and I am an alcoholic and be absolutely okay with that. You know, it's okay. Wow. Um, that for me is probably the biggest relief. The biggest relief because I'm no longer running, not from the world, but I'm no longer running from myself. You know, I used to run away from myself all the time. Now I'm okay with Tia. You know, I'm okay with Tia. I am just an alcoholic, a mental, you know, disease from the neck up. Um, it doesn't mean I'm a bad woman, uh, like you said, Sarah. Um, it's just, it's, it's just a disease. It's just a sickness, you know. And there is a solution. If you're listening today in my journey in recovery, what I have come to learn is that you're not listening in today for, you know, by mistake. You're not. You would not be on this site listening to this by mistake. You're here looking for something. I, I don't know what that is. But if you're listening to this, you know, um, there is hope for you too. If AA can work for such a useless drunk like me to get me to this stage where I can join the human race again, you know, as a little bit of a dignified woman and, and a mother that can be available to her children and a, and a daughter that my mother said to me, you know, I got my daughter back. I'm a little bit useful to society. Then, you know, it can work for you too. I came into AA completely broken without any soul, you know, I was just alive on the outside, completely dead on the inside. It didn't matter if I got hit by a truck, it didn't really matter because I was, you know, really dead on the inside. AA loved me, you know, until I could learn to love myself. It put my broken pieces together and healed every single pain that I had, you know, through the steps four, five, you know, seven, six, eight, nine, ten. Well, they're there in, in order for a reason. Um, but yes, the 12 steps program is the tools to my freedom from my alcoholism. I thank God for, for the people in the fellowship that have been a part of my journey. If it wasn't for them, you know, truly, um, I wouldn't be here. I'm still sober. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks Tia. Uh, you're listening to Alcoholics Anonymous on 104.6 Planet FM. And uh, we've had members of the fellowship in this morning sharing their experience, strength and hope about their journey of recovery from alcoholism. Uh, Tia, congratulations on your three years. It's, what <laughs> an achievement. It's, it's great. Thank you. And, uh, and, the, and the new guys, welcome to the fellowship. And, you know, you've got a lot ahead of you. Thanks. I know, uh, just picking up on something that Tia talked about, you know, when we come here, and myself as well, we, we're just so lost you know, we're just absolutely lost and bewildered. And I know myself, I was embarrassed and humiliated. And, you know, what would these people think of me if I turned up at Alcoholics Anonymous? And, uh, you know, it was all about me, you know. Uh, I, I tend, I'd overlook the fact that there were everybody else here was doing the same. You know, they'd come through the door and, you know, worried about what people would think of them and embarrassed and humiliated and all that kind of, you know, all those feelings. Um, but, you know, I found them welcoming, encouraging and incredibly understanding. You know, when I started talking, uh, you know, people would nod, as it's been said today, and they would identify with what I was talking about. And, you know, it really took the aloneness of mm. my drinking and my behaviour and my emotions away from me. 
I think the, the the biggest thing I found here when I first came was that there were other people trying to they were trying to do what I was trying to do, and I, and I felt so alone with trying to control my drinking and deal with the world and deal with myself and you know trying to cope with the world. I found really really difficult. It was. Uh, it would get very big and very close, and with that, I would get incredibly anxious and uh, quite angry, and I would lash out uh, to try and cope. And I knew that when I drank, it gave me relief from all that. It gave me relief from the world. It gave me relief from people, and most of all, it gave me relief from myself. And that was so. It was just like a breath of fresh air, and I would have a drink to make that happen. Uh, but as it's been explained this morning, I'd have a drink and something upside would go, let's get absolutely blind drunk. Oh, you know, a little bit more colourful words. And I'd get absolutely blind drunk and go into blackout and do all these things, surface and go, I'm not going to do that again. And every time I drank, I hoped that my behaviour would be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't. It just it was exactly the same, you know. It was just, it was just, it was just like a repetitive thing going round and round. You know, and all I could hang on to was some hope that it would change, but it, it never did. And uh, you know, so that that's what brought me to Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought I'd just close on that. Uh, that brings us towards the end of our meeting. Uh, if you've been listening and you you've identified with our speakers today, and you'd like to do something about your drinking, you can phone 0800 AA Works, and that will put you in contact with an AA member in your local area. Or you can log on to aa.org.nz and in the drop-down box under meetings list, we'll give you a list of all meetings in the uh, Greater Auckland area where we have about 140 a week or it'll give you a list of the meetings nationally as well. So we'll be back here again next Sunday at 10.45 on 104.6 Planet FM with Alcoholics Anonymous, AA Meeting On Air. And we'll close our meeting with the Serenity Prayer. God. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference.